Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, we've mercifully made it to the end of a long week in our nation's capital. And while lawmakers did pass a short term debt limit, increase, uh, not a long-term solution by any stretch of the imagination. And so for weeks, we were fed a steady diet of calamities, catastrophes, cliffs, crises of every possible imagining that would be the result of Congress not raising the debt ceiling and funding the government. Those are two separate things, by the way. Let's make sure we keep those separate. Both of those had to be done. Uh, Both of those have been done. And for all of that rancor, for all of that back and forth, the prize, 56 days. (laughs) The countdown clock has already started, folks. It's 56 days to the next catastrophe, crisis, calamity, cliff that is going to cause Armageddon to ensue if we don't get it done before the holidays. And the game rolls on. Uh, Now, to be very clear, we have to fund the government. Congress has to do that. That's Congress's job. U.S. government has to pay its bills. Always has, always will. So the fact that we go through these gyrations to just put everything on autopilot in the end uh, is not a great use of time, space, and energy. And as you all know, I hate waste. I detest waste. I detest waste in organizations, in talent, in relationship, uh, all of that. There is nothing worse than waste. Because you think of what it could do. You have what you actually did, which is a waste, and then you have the opportunity cost of what you could have done. Uh, When I was doing my business consulting, uh, that was the first thing I would look at. Where is the waste? And the waste of talent and opportunity is what would always drive me the most crazy. And so for all that we've gone through, just to get to an exhale for 56 days before this all has to be done again is a waste. And it's a waste of what we could be doing if Congress would focus on the things it's supposed to do instead of all of these things that are just politics. We'd be in a different place. 
I uh, love what LeVar Webb said. Hey, look, if we if we put a lot of these things back into the states, a lot of the divisiveness in Washington is going to go away because the decision is going to be made somewhere else. Now, one of the things that was most disappointing to me, I'm glad they got things done. I'm glad we're moving forward. That's fine. 56 days, set your clock. Uh, it's coming back around. Uh, but I was deeply disappointed in Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who after all the negotiating, after all the back and forth, and after the debt ceiling vote had just concluded, and the debt ceiling has been raised by $480 billion, nearly a half a trillion dollars, and that only gets us 56 days, folks. <laughs> that only gets us, it's like raising your credit limit and you got 56 days out of it. Uh, not super helpful. But once that was all done, the Senate Majority Leader took that moment not to say, I'm glad we got it done. Now let's get on to the real work. Instead, he went right back to politics. Republicans played a dangerous and risky partisan game. And I am glad that their brinksmanship did not work. So he called out Republicans immediately. Senator Schumer thanked the Democrats for solving the Republican manufactured crisis. I thank, very much thank, my Democratic colleagues for our showing our unity in solving this Republican manufactured crisis. Despite immense opposition from Leader McConnell and members of his conference, our caucus held together and we've pulled our country back from the cliff's edge that Republicans tried to push us over. Pointing fingers, placing blame. He went on, blamed Republicans some more for turning the debt limit into a political bargaining tool. America's full faith and credit must never be used as a political bargaining chip. I hope my Republican colleagues relent from trying to make it one when we revisit this issue soon. And finally, Senator Schumer told Republicans to help or get out of the way. The solution is for Republicans to either join us in raising the debt limit or stay out of the way and let Democrats address the debt limit ourselves. All right. Uh, So that, to me, was, I don't care what side of the political fence uh, that you're sitting on, uh, when we talk about things and how we talk about things matters. Uh, And to do that on the floor of the United States Senate uh, at that moment, uh, to me, was not appropriate. Time and place matter. And it was interesting that Senator Joe Manchin, uh, who was sitting right behind Senator Schumer on the floor of the United States Senate, uh, told reporters afterward what he thought about his leader's speech. I didn't think it was was appropriate at this time. We had talked about that, but he he, he felt charged up and he and I had good conversations. Why was that appropriate? I just think that basically what we got to do is find a pathway forward to make sure that we de-weaponize. Mm-hmm. We have to de-weaponize. You can't be playing politics. None of us can on both sides. Okay, mm-hmm. and both sides have been been very guilty of this, and the frustration was built up. And I'm sure Chuck's frustration was built, but that was not a way to take it out. We just disagree. Mm-hmm. I've done it differently. We heard from a couple of Republicans who said that that was a completely counterproductive speech. So are you worried? Well, every, both sides. I'm just saying it's just the civility is gone, okay? And I'm not going to be part of getting rid of it. I'm going to try to bring it back, and I speak out when I see someone do something I don't like. Uh, I, I applaud Senator Manchin for calling out the leader of his party, Senator Schumer, 
for a speech that was inappropriate. Uh, he said that uh, we have to find a path forward together. We need to de-weaponize everybody's words. we got to stop playing politics. Both sides have been guilty of that for sure. Uh, but we have to get back to civility. Senator Manchin lamented that civility's gone. And I love that he said, I'm going to try to bring it back. And I'm going to speak out when I see someone doing something I don't like. And we've we've used this before on this show that it's so important having courage having courage is not screaming at your enemies courage is not standing on the floor of the United States Senate as the Senate majority leader and excoriating your political opponents courage is when you tell your friends they're out of line or they need to tone it down or that they need to be civil or maybe just plain human we have to change the dialogue. I applaud Senator Manchin for saying to the leader of his party that speech was inappropriate in time, in place, in tone. Uh, and again, this goes on both sides of the aisle, uh, but this was the example coming out of a very divisive week in Washington. And I remind you that that divisive week, it's really been the divisive last three months, uh, talking about debt and deficits. And our grand reward for enduring all of that was 56 days reprieve and an angry speech on the floor of the United States Senate. We have to do better, and it has to start with us. We're going to step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a new religion. You may be guilty. Find out why next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.